Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Today, I'm going to be talking to you specifically about first-time buyers and how they navigate around the property market to buy their first property. Now, of course, the property market is ever-changing. It's complex. It can be sophisticated, depending on the kind of strategy you're looking to pursue. The good news is there's plenty of information out there. The bad news is you probably don't have the time to go through all the information. So I'm going to make it really easy for you. And aren't you glad to hear that, by the way? I'm going to share with you nice, simple tips to help you, if you're a first-time buyer, to get on the property ladder. My first tip is look at the ideal home that you want and then plan to buy that at some point. But if you're a first-time buyer, uh, the ideal home that you want isn't the one that you can afford. So what we need to do is work you towards something you can afford. So work out the price of a house that is affordable to you and then, of course, figure a way of getting the deposit. So you can save, you can always use bank of mom and dad. If you have family, friends who can help and assist you, you need to get a part-time job. You can do that, have a sideline uh, business or a side hustle just to get that deposit. And the good news is, uh, if you're a first-time buyer, you can put down as little as 5% and buy your first property. Now, of course, if you can get a bigger deposit, it's better. Why? Simply because a bigger deposit means the bank has less exposure, uh, so therefore they are willing to give you better rates. And the bigger your deposit, the less their exposure, the less their risk, the more committed you are to the property, uh, and the more you have tied in, uh, the better the rate. And uh, if when the loan to value decreases, i.e. you put a bigger deposit, the rates soon start getting better. So what you want to be doing is uh, thinking of having a bigger deposit, but I know that's not always simple, straightforward, especially with the things, uh, way things are right now uh, in the country and um, across the world, really. Uh, so think about just getting a 5% deposit to get you on the property ladder. Tip number two. Think carefully about what you can afford. As in tip one, think about your ideal home and work towards that for some point in the future. But my biggest tip for anybody when it comes to money is to always live within your means. And over the last 23 years, I've seen all too often, people don't live within their means. So they've got credit card one, two, three, four, five, so on and so forth. They've got loans, uh, they've got overdrafts, uh, bank of mum and dad, borrowing money from family, friends, neighbors, colleagues, anybody and everybody, customers, suppliers, uh, clients. And the problem with that is you end up overstretching yourself, you end up building bad habits, in terms of spending money, eating out all the time, going on holidays, buying new expensive clothes or whatever people like doing, by the way, because everybody's different. Uh, and that, that gets you into huge problems. I strongly believe having financial discipline is a key and critical element to being successful. Uh, and those people who have it end up doing well because they work to a particular boundaries and rules and parameters uh, and they do well than those who don't okay are always working from paycheck to paycheck okay and there's more months left 
and then there is paycheck. So you want to be disciplined, work out the numbers in terms of what you can afford, and roughly speaking, I'd say you'd be pretty smart and doing well if you spend 25% of your income on your mortgage costs. If you're reasonably young and you're just starting out and you're a first-time buyer, because that's what we're talking about here, uh, then you're looking at maybe 40 to 45% uh, of your salary, maybe even 50% of your salary. But don't go too high. Uh, compromise on the price, compromise on the area somewhat, actually compromise on anything and everything just to get on the property ladder. See, it's, it's a bit like having a job. I've always said, if you're in a job, it's easier to get your next job. If you're not in a job, to then try and get into a job, it can sometimes be harder, and the longer the gap, the less likely you are to be employed, generally speaking, from the conversation I've had with uh, clients over the last many, many, many years. Uh, so the point here is, if you're on the property ladder, you can always chop and change and upgrade, downgrade when you have to. Getting on uh, the property ladder is important. So work out the numbers, work out how much you can afford, by looking at all your other expenditure as well, in terms of food, maintenance cost, and everything else, disposable income, and then work back and think, this is what I can afford for my mortgage, okay? When I work on a property, do I want? This is how I can afford for my deposit. What's that gonna fund me? Do those numbers work? If not, be flexible by, okay, buying, buy something which is less than what you want, rather than going overboard and thinking, I'll get a pay rise next year, or I'll get a bonus, or I'll get a second job, and I'll do all these extra things. Because you might do them, and you might not. Don't overstretch yourself. Live well within your means. Number three, keep a close tab and check on your credit score. Because whenever you apply for a loan, a lender will look at your credit score and if it's adverse or you've missed payments or you've defaulted or you've got a county court judgment, uh, then you're going to have major problems. So you should be thinking about improving your score on a regular basis. If you have credit cards, make sure you pay them off every month if you can in terms of the full payment as opposed to a smaller or a part or a minimum payment. If you have loans, make sure you keep up with those uh, because paying on time demonstrates you're the kind of person who takes their obligations and commitments seriously, you have a track record of making payments on time, therefore more lenders will be open to lending you money. Bad credit means some lenders won't lend you money, others who do are going to charge you through the nose for it uh, and it's not going to be very nice. So start working on your credit score, even if it's not good today, you can just do small little things on a regular basis to improve your score. Tip number four is look into first-time buyer government schemes. So the common one and the one people look at a lot, the government's first home scheme is a really good scheme. It enables you to get anywhere from 30% to a 50% discount, which is really good. Uh, but if you're buying it, and this only applies to homes bought in England, uh, if you're buying outside Greater London, uh, the maximum uh, that those homes can be sold for is £250,000. In Greater London, it's £420,000. But there's a caveat, which is you have to be able to demonstrate you can get at least a 50% mortgage on that property. It can be higher, but it can't go below 50%. Uh, so you, you've got to be able to demonstrate you can do that. The Head to Buy scheme ends on the 31st of March 2023. Uh, and after that, uh, there may be another scheme coming out, but that's not very clear right now. And if you had used the government's Help to buy ISA, which ended in 2019. The good news for you, for you is you can still use that and get a boost uh, of £3,000 as long as you've got £12,000 
invested in that ISA. There are other mortgage options too, and you can explore those as well. But as you can see, the government is trying to help and assist and support people to get on the property ladder. Personally, I don't believe they're doing enough, nowhere near enough, but something's better than nothing is the same. Number five, seek professional advice. In this particular instance, talking about mortgages, speak to a mortgage broker or mortgage advisor, which could be at your bank, or there's plenty of independent people as well, by the way, speak to them, uh, and then they will talk to the pros and cons, all the different schemes available to you, how they all work, because it is a bit, a bit of a minefield, and if you're a first-time buyer, you won't be familiar with the property process, uh, and they'll talk you through how the funding financing works. They'll also look at rates for you and see what you can afford and what you can't afford. Alongside that, go on to speak to a solicitor to get familiar with the uh, entire legal transaction and how that works so that you're walking into this with your eyes open. Uh, and of, of course, if you don't need a mortgage, then you don't need to speak to a, a mortgage advisor, in which case, you're not a first-time buyer anyway. So this only applies to first-time buyers, but of course, most people tend to get a mortgage when they're buying a house anyway, but if you, especially if you're new, uh, then I think you just talk to people up front so that you've got all the information to your hand uh, so that you can go armed when you're looking for properties because you know what you can do and what you can't do. Tip number six, while you're seeing a mortgage broker, you can attempt to do and what they call an agreement in principle. Some call it a decision in principle. Others call it a mortgage in principle. Whichever one of those three names it is, by the way, let's just call it agreement in principle. That's going to help you. It involves a soft credit search. But when you're looking at houses, if you can show an agent, you have an AIP that shows that you're committed, you're serious, and it's an indication that a funder is willing to fund your next or your first property purchase. Uh, and of course, that's just to also demonstrate that you're a bit more ahead of the curve compared to most people who haven't gone through that step uh, and which might help you secure your property. And it's a good process to go through if you haven't done it before. Number seven, research and research some more and some more because if you're new then you're going to have to learn how things work this is everything from the legal process the buying process the obtaining a mortgage process how first-time buyer schemes work and which one is right for you and then of course then you've got the property market where should you, should you be buying how much should you be buying for are you buying at the right price is it the right time for you in terms of affordability. So there's a lot of research to do. And then of course, where you're buying, is that right for you in terms of where you work, commuting, additional costs, journey time, that type of stuff. So doing all that research is going to be critical and important. And then of course, you gotta research houses or look for houses, which means uh, obviously go onto uh, websites and talk to agents and do viewings to make sure that you find the one that's right for you. So I'm a personal believer that there's never too much research. What there is is too much of the wrong type of research. Uh, but if you're really serious about something, I think doing your homework and doing research is key, imperative, and exceptionally important. When you're viewing properties, obviously ask questions for two reasons really. One is to gain an insight and information that you require in terms of how long the property's been in the market, any interested parties, what are the offers there are. The agents aren't going to disclose that to you, but sometimes they're given an indication uh, of kind of 
where the prophets are landing, they'll never give you a figure. So, and there's no guarantee that all, all of them will give you the right information, by the way, because only there could be two other people who view the property and they'll say to you, yes, there's plenty of other interest. But what does plenty mean? What does lots mean? Uh, but it just gives you a, a bit of an indication. Uh, and that if you want to find out about any other planning issues, if you want to find out how the property is, anything that you need to know when you're looking at a property is good for you to obviously ask. The second thing is if you ask questions, it demonstrates to the agent that you're interested. Rather than just, you know, putting a zip on it, walking around the property in let's say three to five minutes or however long it takes you, and then basically uh, saying, okay, I'll come back to you. It's not gonna give the agent a warm, fluffy, cozy feeling that you're interested. Whereas asking questions really does demonstrate you're interested and it helps you gain insights and knowledge and information in the things that you want to know. So that's all folks. These are my eight tips for you. Uh, if, you're first if you're a first time buyer, I hope you find these helpful. They are by no means exhaustive and obviously there's plenty more. I just like to, want to keep it really kind of short, sharp, succinct for you to get started. Uh, but then there's something else which I believe uh, uh, I want to share with you is maybe you shouldn't buy your own home because if you're looking to get into the world of property and you want to invest property, why have money stuck in a property when you can use those funds to invest in property as in an investor or developer and rent your own home uh, rather than tying up money for a mortgage. Now for a first time buyer it's slightly different because if you've got 5% and you're looking to buy uh, a house for let's say £200,000 for example, 5% of that is £10,000, uh, that's not going to be able to get you much in terms of property but it's going to help you to invest some money in education and then build contacts to find out what other ways there are and by the way i have shared some of the other ways on this channel of you to get onto the property ladder so i'm going to make a video for you which is going to compare a case study of somebody who owns a home then sells their home rents and then what they could possibly do with those funds and how they are better off so maybe buying your own home isn't always the best idea from a financial point of view in terms of scaling up and becoming an investor or an entrepreneur but i fully realize that most people in this country here want to have the knowledge and the security and the safety uh, of that they own their own home i'm the same by the way so even though i'm saying to you maybe you ought not to buy your own home i still live in my home own home and i'm not practicing what i'm preaching not because i don't want to but I bought uh, my kind of home for, uh, a long time ago and now I moved into a different home uh, and I'm not the only decision maker so there are other people involved which includes my wife and four children but two older ones at least the, and the two younger ones who won't say much about where we live but the, the two older ones have a particular view on where we live and what should happen it's part of their inheritance uh, so I don't think that they'd be too pleased but if I were to go back and I was a first time buyer I think I'd invest my money into property as an investor and rent for the rest of my life so that's something great to think about thanks for listening to wealth made simple you can follow and contact shaz on the facebook pages entrust property tax and the profits wizard you can also find shaz on linkedin youtube and instagram alternatively email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk Build your wealth by mastering money.